Welcome to Monster Crush, a podcast that's a little spooky, always sexy, and surprisingly educational. Every episode, we dare to find love in all the wrong places on our never-ending quest for the best monster smooches. I'm Derek Sword, and I'm here to ask the real questions like, is an Ouroboros technically eating its own ass? And I'm joined, as always, by Heavenly for one hell of a first date. Hi, Heavenly. Ugh. Wow. What a gift of a question. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, I know it's not your birthday, but... Is is this kind of like how Marilyn Manson had his ribs removed so he could suck his own dick? Mmm. Yes, is Marilyn Manson an Ouroboros? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the real question. Uh, yeah, I guess snakes don't have to have uh, ribs removed to, to get back there. Get, get down and back there. Good for them. You know, we don't, I don't think we respect snakes enough for that ability. So the Ouroboros is a snake that's just always munching on his tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that it's that circular so symbol are that's we used saying, in a whole bunch of cultures. Yeah. Are we saying that the snake's tail is its butt? The tippity-tippity of it? Herptologically, no. But <laughs> if you get fur enough up there, there's there's a slot which is well, how, used for a multitude of... Uh, for sure, but how deep do you think the Ouroboros... Like, is the Ouroboros the original deep throat? Mm-hmm. I mean, it all depends on how hungry they are, right? How hungry I, they are. I, I guess I always figured that maybe it was only like a couple inches deep. Okay. That it was eating it was its own tail. Tip. Just the tip. Yeah, I kind of just thought it was just the tip. Uh, much like, you know, when dogs bite the tip of their tail and then form that circle and then they begin <laughs> they to spin really They also form really an fast. Ouroboros. Yeah. yeah so I, that's, I guess that's kind of what I always thought. But now that you mention it, I suppose we could only be seeing the top... You know, a fifth of it. It could be, there could be uh, feet, dozens of feet inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if that's the idea that an Ouroboros is sustaining itself off of its own body, is it constantly just making more tail to eat? Well, it's constantly growing and it grows Mm. from, so I guess it has to stop eating from, uh, because we all know that you grow from the middle. Kind mm-hmm. of in the in the two directions. So I guess he has to stop eating before he gets to that middle point. So it's kind of like infinite, infinite tail because the tail just keeps growing. And then his top half grows. And so then there's a little, there's kind of like that belt of growth. Then there's a little couple extra inches between his mouth and the belt that he can scoot forward a little bit. That's just science. That's how it works, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. We, we solved it. We solved it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Heavenly, I will kind of tie that question in when we, we get to our singletons for this time. But uh, before we did, did any of that, I did have some spooky news. Spooky news. Spooky news. Uh, so our first story, and you might have actually seen this. A lot of people are talking about it on the internet right now as of today, actually, which uh, we are recording uh, August 14th for posterity we, we do record early so this might be old news at the time but as of right now um people are incredibly worried because the annabelle doll the the annabelle doll from the uh the ed lorraine uh warren museum and prison is supposedly on the run oh she has escaped oh goodness according to to some sources i i am here to tell you however it is not true oh Annabelle oh, is God. still locked away 
in her in her glass prison. And actually, um, the the story is is kind of weird the way that it came about because it actually came from a translation error. Uh, there was a news story about one of Tom Cruise's co-stars from the the movie The Mummy, the ill-fated uh, movie The Mummy, um, where British actress Annabelle Wallace talked about how she had to convince Tom Cruise to let her run in the same scene as him. I guess he has a rule that no one can run next to him in, while they're filming. What? What? Uh... I think he thinks he runs too fast. No, I bet that's not why. <laughs> I said that's what he thinks. Um, <laughs> he, he is a a, um, a shorter gentleman, so maybe he's worried that a lot of actors and actresses who who are more tall and statuesque might have a longer gait than him, perhaps. But so, do she, they have to photo? So they have to they have to film the two runnings in separate rooms on different <laughs> days, right. and then they Photoshop them running side by side in every single movie he's ever been in where he's run next to someone. And I, well, that's the thing. I cannot remember a single scene where I've seen Tom Cruise running next to somebody. Oh, so he just he exclusively is a lone runner. It's not just about the filming. It's about. Yeah, Anytime he, he needs to get from yeah. A to B, um, I you know what I wonder if that I I sense that Nicole Kidman's a runner. I bet she likes to run a lot, and I wonder if that's because of her. Maybe, yeah, yeah. They're very weird history, um, where he like he he literally produced a movie with her in it. He produced the um, what was it the Strangers the um, the ghost movie that Nicole Kidman was in. He produced that movie. While simultaneously divorcing her so that he could date Penelope Cruz. Wait, I'm sorry. Tom Cruise dated Penelope Cruz? Yeah, he did um, that movie Vanilla Sky. That was a remake of another like Australian movie. It's it's a weird history. Um, if you want to learn about that, listen to Switchblade Sisters, where I learned about that. Which is a, a fun podcast where um, female uh, movie producers, creators, directors, actresses talk about their favorite uh, genre films. So I'll, I'll plug that real quick. But yeah, I, so the the whole Annabelle Dahl thing came about from um, the the ghost the British actress Annabelle Wallace um, stating that she had to convince Tom Cruise to let her run on screen. So anytime he would come into a room where she was, she made sure that there was a treadmill so that she could be running on it and he could see how well she ran. But all of that kind of culminated when a Chinese news site got a hold of the the story and kind of passed the article translator a couple of times over to where when it was retranslated into English, the, the article title was Annabelle Escaped. Mm. And then everybody jumped on that. I was like, oh, the dolls on the run and everybody with their, um, you know, their copycat dolls of Annabelle, the movie Annabelle, by the way, because the real Annabelle, in case you didn't know, in case you've seen these very creepy movies where some people bought a doll that nobody would ever buy. Uh, the real Annabelle doll is a, um, a Raggedy Ann. A lot of people forget that. Right. Yeah, they did. They did make her a little extra spooky. Right. I actually think the Raggedy Ann is scarier. I guess it's not. You wouldn't look at the doll and be like, ooh, that's spooky. But I feel like a little Raggedy Ann soft plush doll committing psychological warfare against oh, yeah. two uh, women in their young in their early 20s. Yeah, if you is that a thing lot, a knife, that's terrifying. Is a lot scarier. Yeah. And plus, I mean, you think about like, you know, your your porcelain dolls. 
you can break those. You can smash it somewhere, It's and it's gone. But a Raggedy Ann, that thing's durable. Well, you can smash a porcelain doll, but now it has it has a hundred weapons. Oh, it's the it. sharp edges. You're and right. its body is now sharp. So Ah, uh, damn it. I wouldn't do that. Yes, and I also yes, imagine right. that she's probably one I don't think she was porcelain. I kind of always figured she's one of those dolls with like the plastic the hard plastic head and hands, but then the weird soft kind of uh beige naked body underneath. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. I, I am planning a um a haunted toy episode and I have some some personal stories about that. Um because my, my aunt, my mom's um younger sister, collects dolls, uh antique dolls, and has rooms full of them, which is um to use the word haunting to, to stand in and have all those little eyes on you. But we'll do that in another episode. So, uh, other spooky news. Uh, this one, not so spooky, but definitely fun. Uh, a, the, actually, the first Godzilla museum has opened uh, in Japan. It is at the uh, Ninja Nomori Park in Awaji, Japan. Awaji Island, Japan. Um, so, if you are in Japan, definitely check that out. If you're a big uh, Gojira fan, there's uh, apparently to even enter the the museum you can opt to zip line into a godzilla like life-size godzilla's mouth uh they have godzilla themed food um all the different types of like artifacts and costumes and everything else from from all the movies from over the years so that's really awesome so definitely check that out if if you have the ability i honestly hope that goes on tour at some point because that would be amazing to see oh that sounds like a lot of fun and then to jump into some alien spooky news, I have two alien stories which kind of tie into each other. Maybe, if you're a conspiracy theorist, they might tie in. The first story is that uh, scientists are probing, this is the article title uh, from space.com, scientists probe the weird alien water inside of Uranus and Neptune. So scientists are trying to find whether these, um, you know, Typically, frozen icy planets actually have the potential for life, and they're looking at the water to see if there are microorganisms or uh, what differences there are in these planets, even on the atomic scale, uh, in their water. Mm. Okay. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it says hydrogen and oxygen are the most common elements in the universe together with helium. It's easy to deduce that water is one of the most major constituents of many celestial bodies. However, water is also incredibly important to uh, what we know as, as carbon life. So if these planets have water, you know, there's the big theory that, um, oh, what is it? Um, Europa. The, the moon of Jupiter, might be the closest thing to um, a planet that could sustain earthly life within our solar system because it is another majorly oceanic planet, but it is also similar in size to Earth and could potentially sustain life as well as uh, several different types of ecosystems if it were properly uh, fiddled with. So if all celestial bodies are made out of water... And celery is like ninety nine point nine percent water. Mm-hmm. I see Does where you're going with this. Celery is a celestial body. Uh, aren't we all and just cel- made of of stardust? Aren't we all just made of celery? Because oh. celestial cel- celery. Ah, uh, uh, see, okay, you. Oh, okay. The FBI is going to be after this. No, we we, un- we unburied the. We know too much. 
<laughs> Everything is celery. That's what the scientists aren't telling us. That's why celery is negative calories. Oh, because we're we're eating start. We're eating the matter eating. of our universe. That's what, dark matter is just black celery. We've. It's just black. Oh celery. no. I'm going to have some celery with peanut butter later. That sounds good. Oh, that does sound good. Turkey Burger loves celery. Does she? Yeah, our dogs, one of our dogs likes celery. The other one just looks at us like we we gave him, like, something <laughs> that would kill him. He knows. Like we gave him a punishment. The truth. Yeah. He knows the truth. <laughs> He's like, no, this is stardust. <laughs> so the other story I have is also about aliens, and uh, this is from Live Science. Famous alien hunting telescope slashed to pieces in mysterious midnight accident. Oh, I did read about this. Yeah. So maybe the government knows what we know about celery, and they're trying to keep us from reaching the celery aliens. I don't know. Do they have any any idea of what happened? Yes. So so the theory right now, the, the idea behind it, this is the uh, Arecibo Ob- Observatory, which is a gargantuan telescope in Puerto Rico. Um, it is a, um, it's a SETI telescope for uh, search for extraterrestrial life, or search for extraterrestrial intelligence. That's S-E-T-I, SETI. It is, I believe, the largest, um, what do they call it? The world's largest single-dish telescope stretching 1,000 feet in diameter. So the idea of what happened was on Monday, August 10th, at approximately 2.45 a.m. local time, a metal cable at the facility snapped, slashing through the radar dish and tearing open a 100-foot-long hole. Yikes. So the snapped cable also smashed through several other cables and platforms that support the dish, causing debris to rain down on the ground below and making it harder for technicians to assess the site. So, looks like it's an accident right now, but when it comes hmm. to aliens, can you ever be sure? Accident, schmaccident. Mm-hmm. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. So, anyway, yeah, trust nothing. The government's covering up aliens. I don't know. Yeah, probably. They're covering up aliens. They probably are. But that's all I had for spooky news. Spooky it news. A, it was a terrible sign-off for, for a newscast. You'd be like, yeah, it's probably this. I don't know. Anyways, why, why not? we're done. <laughs> Bye, I'm leaving. Anyway, it's the news. <laughs> so anyway, let's get back into uh, talking about our singletons, because Heavenly, I would like to talk about, for this week, I would like to talk about the end of the world. Okay. And not be a bummer about it. Okay. So uh, with everything going on in 2020, it can seem like uh, things are wrapping up, more or less. Uh, I even saw a video a couple of weeks ago from a uh, person in a Walmart parking lot where there was this ominous, like, clouded sky, and then just hundreds of crows were descending on all the vehicles and people. It was it was literally a mass murder, and uh, it was it was like something from a Stephen King novel, like something from The Stand. Just all these like <laughs> all these portents of doom swooping down from the sky. And yeah, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on. But I am here to tell you, Heavenly, I'm here to tell you, our audience, that we're not that special. It's it's not the end of the world, and we aren't the first people to have worried about that. Um, and we're kind of primed as a society, as a modern society, to look for the end of the world. I mean, in, in our two lifetimes, we've lived through several supposed, you know, end times with Y2K, mm-hmm. 2012... Uh, the dozens or so of so-called biblical mathematicians who keep having to revise their biblical math. 
Not to mention how prevalent the concept is in fiction, uh, whether it's by asteroids, pollution, zombies, or, you know, disease, cough, cough. Uh, and beyond that, there's been plenty of people in history who thought they were the last of humanity. It's it's really not that uncommon in a modern sense. Um, and actually, so much so that there is an entire branch of theology dedicated to the study of the end times, uh, which I found very interesting. It's called eschatology, and it focuses on myths and religious beliefs of the end times or end of the world and studies the part of theology concerned with death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul of mankind. Hmm. There's plenty of words for, in all different types of cultures, for what is the end of the world. For, for what we'll talk about, I will probably use, um, we're going to talk about a specific one for this episode. When I'm kind of talking about eschatology, I'll just use the term end of the world or end times uh, because most words are directly connected to a culture. Because when you talk about, um, people often use like apocalypse or Armageddon, but those are very christian words for the christian end of the world apocalypse comes from the greek word meaning revelation that uh, the end times will bring a, a revealing of sorts and uh, armageddon is actually a descriptor of an event it's the uh, it's the battle of megiddo where the the forces of good led by jesus will fight against the forces of evil led by the antichrist and it's a, it's a real place it's uh it's the mount of megiddo in northern israel so you can actually go uh technically to where the end of the world will happen and it's it's a place where like people have been living and rebuilding on the same spot for millennia now there's there's ancient forts yeah it was an, it was linked to an ancient trade route um which kind of linked Egypt with the northern empires of Syria, Anatolia, and Mesopotamia. So, yeah, that's... When you say I, when you say Apocalypse, when you say Armageddon, you're actually describing very specific things. So, to, to kind of be all-encompassing, because Christianity isn't uh, the only religion with, with an end-times myth, uh, we'll just say end of the world. And okay. uh, actually, speaking of that, the concept of the end of the world uh, might seem incredibly... Uh, religiously pervasive, but in reality, it's not as common as we might think. We we think of it as common because you know America is more or less a Christian society, right? And yeah, and a lot of those ideas have become ingrained with with pop culture. Uh, but if you look at at most ancient religions, uh, the idea of an end of the world is incredibly rare. The, the two most common myths in, in any religion uh, are going to be a creation myth and a flood myth. Okay. And flood myths, this is, this is where it gets weird. Flood myths are technically, if you think about it, end of the world myths. Because the world does end, it just happens previous to when the, the story is being told, whereas end of the world myths happen after the story is told. So there's this weird Venn diagram of... Flood myths and end-of-the-world myths are, are both technically end-of-the-world myths, but are also separate. And, and that, that breaks down. Uh, end-of-the-world myths are broken down into two sections. There's linear and cyclical. Um, a flood myth would be cyclical because mm -hmm. the flood happens, but then humanity is able to, humanity in all life, is able to regain uh, its, its footing on Earth and the floods recede. Uh, linear is more like the book of revelations from Christianity where the, the world ends and everybody dies and they go to heaven or hell. And that is it. That is it. There's, there's mm. nothing else after that. The end. 
the, yes, the end, absolutely. So flood myths are mostly cyclical. The, the myth we're going to talk about is a little both, because it's, it's interesting in that way. What I want to talk about today uh, is, is a myth that has a lot of the common features of other end-of-the-world myths, because there are these weird crossovers. A lot of end-of-the-world myths feature a battle between good and evil. A, a weird crossover is that a leader of the force of good rides into battle on a white horse. That happens in Christianity, Hinduism, and our myth of Ragnarok. I want to talk about the Norse myth of Ragnarok. So that was a that was a long walk to water, but here we are. So uh Ragnarok, the uh the Norse twilight of the gods, the um the the mythology of Thor and Loki and not Marvel movies, but the the real ones. So I want to talk about Ragnarok today because it has some amazing monsters in it and more than Christianity, which also has its monsters and even Hinduism, which kind of has its monsters. Hinduism and Christianity are still practiced. What do I want to say? Uh, Norse mythology is still practiced as well. There are still uh, people who practice the 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 religion of of Odin, but it's definitely rarer. And the the biggest difference between the two is that the monsters in Norse mythology are flat out monsters. You know, the, if you do, we talk to any theologian, like yes, the, these aren't necessarily allegories for anything. They can be, but they are more than anything monsters straight up. If you look at the the monsters from Revelations, where it's the Antichrist or the Beast from the Sea or the one with seven heads and five crowns or something like that, all of those are are more more or less allegories for something else. It's not that we're actually going to see these dragons. It's it's that they represent Ugh. people. What a fucking bummer. I know it's ah it's it is what it is. Uh, yeah, it was um, John of Patmos who uh, is supposedly the guy who wrote Revelations, and uh, he was tripping pretty hard on seawater when he was uh, when he was exiled to an island and then wrote Revelations. And it's kind of all historians are pretty sure it's actually a critique of Nero, who was being pretty shitty to Christians at the time. So if you look at it through that lens. Uh, Revelations isn't exactly the most realistic of uh, things that will happen, but probably something that did happen. Mm. Uh, I just want to say as a quick aside, yes. I went to go see Thor Ragnarok in mm -hmm. Germany. And the title for Thor Ragnarok in German, I don't know how to say it, but it translates to Day of Decision, Ooh. which I thought was very funny. That is funny because Ragnarok is a Germanic word. Right. So why not just say Ragnarok? It's right. not like we would have been confused. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about uh, a number of key figures that feature in uh, the movie Thor Ragnarok. Because even though that was uh, a Marvel movie, they, they Stan Lee intentionally used a lot of these uh, beings from Norse mythology, which really popularized them too. I, I think that's why Norse mythology in a lot of ways, is so prevalent in our modern pop cultures, even though it's an ancient religion. Marvel Comics really used a lot of the stuff originally from the myth to, to tie into their their lore. Uh, I will say the biggest change uh, is that Thor in mythology is a ginge. He, he is a red-headed individual. So they did not get that right. They made him blonde in all of Marvel stuff. Mm. And he's actually kind of an alcoholic and actually a really big asshole, too. 
closest allegory to him is Hercules because the the mythological Hercules is a shitty human being. But we can talk yeah. about that some other time. Yeah, he did. He did some. He did some murder. He did. He killed his wife. And he did. Well, Hercules he did is, some weird stuff. <laughs> He, he did do that, but more than that, Hercules is depicted as cowardly, um, if, if looked through uh, a historical lens. Uh, he's also often depicted as fat in, in ancient texts and uh, as being a drunk. But the, the cowardly thing is, is funny or is interesting because one of his, his tasks, to get off topic here, is to slay the Stymphalian birds, uh, which he does with a bow and arrow, which uh, when looked through a historical lens. Bitch that was, weapon. It was. Weapon. Yeah, you don't take a bow and arrow into battle. You don't take a bow and arrow. You, the, the bow and arrow was very rarely seen on the, the Greek battlefield because you, you get up close and stab somebody. You stab somebody with a spear or with your, with your sword. Uh, but the bow and arrow was, was a coward's weapon. So by using that, the myth is essentially saying, look at this piece of shit. Let's all laugh at Hercules. <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, Ragnarok. So again, Twilight of the Gods, it, uh, it is the... Uh, Norse myth of the end of the world, how everything comes to an end, including the gods themselves, because the important thing about Norse mythology is that gods are mortal. They they are a mixture of, they are born from giants and from the divine, and their giant blood curses them with mortality uh, in the same way that humans are cursed with mortality. Uh, so, so they can die, same as us. Maybe a, they're a little hardier than humans, but they can still die. And that's going to be really important to building up to Ragnarok. So I'm going to tell two quick myths real quick to kind of lead up to Ragnarok. And then we'll jump into our singletons and see where they fall at the end of the world. Okay. The first important myth is about uh, Baldur, who is um, the god of light and music. Uh, he is the, the the best of the gods. He is the most beautiful. Every, everybody loves Baldur. Baldur has to die for Ragnarok to happen. And everybody knows this. And so I'm going to tie in our second myth into this here, too. Awkward. Right. Because the reason that Ragnarok is told, the reason that Ragnarok is is important to Norse mythology is because everybody knows it's going to happen. It's, it's something that everybody can see. It's inevitable. And it can't be stopped no matter what you do. And the reason we know this is because Odin, the Allfather, the, the king and lord of the gods... Uh, is obsessed with knowing things. That, that's a really big part of his deal. He carries around uh, the head of Mimir, who is like this all-knowing being who got beheaded at one point. So Odin just carries his head around and Mimir like whispers stuff into his ear, which is unsettling. But even more than that, Odin traded uh, his eye at one point to drink from uh, Urdu's well and and learn all these otherwise unknowable things, one of them being how the end of the world would occur. So Odin has seen how Ragnarok will shake down. And all he, all he can do is just prepare for it. Hmm. So he shares this information with his wife. He tells her, all this stuff's going to happen. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do about it. And oh, by the way, your favorite kid, Baldur, is going to die. I'm sorry. So Frigg, his wife, says, well... That's, I, I can't let that happen. That's it. No. That's not going to work for me. Right. So Frigg gets on her horse, flies all around the of Midgard of, of Earth, and goes to every single thing living or, or inanimate and makes it promise never to harm Baldur. Everything she can find, every person, every animal, every rock, every tree, everything. Did she check to make sure that they weren't holding their fingers crossed behind their back? 
Uh, yes, that do, that does not work for Frank. You can't you can't uh, betray the Queen of the Gods like that. Don't you go can't, down like that. You can't cross your fingers. That doesn't work. Well, she'll cut them off. She'll cut them off real good. Only yeah. if she sees, though. Well, her husband is all seeing. So oh, okay. There's that. Um, which actually doesn't really work with what's going to happen next because she does miss something. Um, she misses mistletoe, uh, which is hidden under the, the branches of the fir tree. So she gets absolutely everything except for mistletoe. And somehow Loki, who is not um, the, the sexy, dark-haired gentleman that he is uh, depicted as in Marvel movies, Loki is a piece of shit. The, the gods absolutely hate Loki, and they, they keep inviting him around. Um, he's constantly making things worse for everyone. And he decides to do that again. Again. So Loki finds out that she missed Mistletoe. And the, the gods decide to have this party. Because as far as they know, Baldur is immortal. The end of the world will never happen. Everything's going to be great. And their party consists of throwing shit at Baldur. Because he's basically standing at the center of their hall. And the gods are throwing swords and spears and rocks and living animals and each other. Everything at Baldur. And it's just bouncing off like he's got a fucking force field. He's, he's impenetrable. But Loki makes an arrow out of mistletoe. And he goes... You know what? This is going to be a lot of funny. So he goes over to... Oh, so but Loki didn't know. Loki knew what he was going... He was doing something shitty. Loki knew that the mistletoe could harm Baldur. Okay. But he goes one step further, and it, it becomes an ableist asshole about it, because he goes to Hoder, who is a blind god, and he hands the bow and arrow, the arrow made of mistletoe, to Hoder and says, mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, look at this. This is going to be great. And they're all like, oh... This, this is going to be funny because we're all kind of ableist assholes about this. Hoder, the blind guy, is going to shoot an arrow. Go figure. Hoder hits Balder, strikes him right in the heart with the mistletoe, and it goes in and ev- like everybody just goes silent all of a sudden. And Balder dies. He dies right there. And he goes to, uh, to the realm of the dead. Uh-oh. Yeah. So everybody's super upset, but it's not the end because they can maybe get him back. But we'll talk about that when we get to one of our singletons, because one of our singletons kind of has control over that. So, I brought uh, four singletons for you today. Three of them are siblings. Uh, one of them is not. Uh, three of them are kids of Loki. So, uh, let's get into our singletons real quick. The first singleton, the one we were going to talk about, uh, she is the lord, uh, I should say lady, of the realm of the dead. She is in control of Niflheim. I'm already a really big fan. Yes. Uh, I, I think that, that she might be uh, appealing to you because she also loves dogs. She has mm. uh, she has a hellhound, mm. which is also her nephew. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, but yes, she does have a hellhound named Garm. Can I? Wait, sorry. Yeah. I should have asked this earlier. I just want a point of clarification. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frigg is also the same goddess that we know of as Freya. Is that correct? No, those are two different ones. They're two different ones. Yes. Frigg and Odin are married, and then they have the children, um, the twins, um, Freyr and Freya. Okay. Yes, and Freyr and Freya are, um, uh, what's the word? Fertility gods. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and Frigg's, Frigg's, uh, realm is more like, um... Uh, and like the the home, she's the the hearth keeper. She's like Hestia in in Greek mythology. She, that would be her her closest uh, contemporary. 
All right. I'm also trying to connect this to God of War, which is probably like the most recent. <laughs> yeah. And in God of War, the newest one, Dad of War. Uh-huh. Dad of Dad of Boy. Boy. Uh, it was a little different. It was Freya, Baldur's mother, whom it was his mother that made him impenetrable. Is that correct? In the game, Dad of Boy. I, I have not played Dad of Boy, but I would imagine that they, they probably did take a shorthand there. Uh, okay, because, maybe that's why I'm confused. Yeah, because Freya is is awesome. Freya, and I'll say this about Norse mythology now because it needs to be said. Some of the current practitioners of Norse mythology are white supremacists. It is one of the shittiest things about it. Um, and they are also complete morons for picking Norse mythology because it goes absolutely against everything that they stand for. Norse mythology is trans-positive, sex-positive. It is it's ethno-positive. Uh, it does not stand in any way for what people who are on the alt-right uh, or white supremacists stand for at all. Gods will change their their genders at will, and it's it's totally acceptable. Um, Thor at one time dresses as a woman, and no one makes fun of him for it. And then he beats a giant to death uh, with his hammer in like a, a form of trickery. Freya is awesome because the the story uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is actually mm-hmm. based on on Freya, uh, but her story involves a lot more sex. Because uh, dwarves are really important in Norse mythology. Dwarves are the the makers of magical items. And there was a group of dwarves who made the most beautiful piece of jewelry in all of creation. And Freya said, I want that. And they said, okay, then you need to have sex with us for a year. And she was like, cool, that's fine. My body, my choice. And then she did. And then she got it. And she's like, I need to take a shower. But I got this really cool piece of jewelry. Well... So that's the okay. short. Again, these, this is a religion, so I don't mean to over shorthand this. I should say that as well. Um, but yeah, again, there's there's this weird um, kind of alliance between those who practice North Mytho- Norse mythology in an honest way, those who study Norse mythology, uh, those who study Norse mythology, and all of them can agree that white supremacists can go fuck themselves. That's that's yeah. I think yes. anyone who practices and believes in any of the Norse gods and goddesses or deities would co-sign that 100%. Absolutely. So anyway, to, back to our first singleton. Uh, I should have mentioned that she is the oldest child of Loki. Okay. Loki has, has three monstrous, technically monstrous children. So so those were kind of Three beautiful babies. <laughs> three gorgeous, gorgeous little kids. So, so she is the oldest, and Odin kind of does something shitty to each of them because he's he's seen that they all are going to play a part uh, against him at the end of the world, but also doesn't tie in that maybe they're doing it because he's being shitty to them. So, but still, he, he sees that. He sees also that they are technically monstrous. So the the oldest child, she is placed in charge of, in a very like Hades type way, She's placed in charge of the underworld. It's both um, like a sign of prominence, uh, but also kind of a punishment that that she is forced to to go to Niflheim because that's not where that's not where you want to go when you die. Um, Niflheim is Niflheim's the the bad place. It's constantly cold to the point where um, the skin on your bones will freeze off. It, it's where the those who don't die in battle or die well go. Mm. 
So, so she was cast down there that she must administer, board, and lodge those sent to her. And that those who die of sickness or old age are, are sent to her. Um, she has great mansions there with extremely high walls and immense gates. A, a hall called Einjolnur. Uh, and a dish called Hunger, a knife called Famine, and uh, a servant named uh, Ganglati, which is uh, translates to Lazy Walker, uh, mm. a serving maid named Ganglot, which also translates to Lazy Walker, but the uh, female version of it. The, the entrance to her threshold is called Stumbling Bach. Uh, the bed is called Sick Bed. The curtains are Gleaming Bale. It's just, it's all bad. Like, all of her stuff is just... It's shitty. Like, her floor is something you trip on. Her door is something that gives you splinters. Um, and she herself has a couple of different descriptions. So, a, a physical description of her, she looks like a woman. No horns, no tail, nothing like that. The nicer depictions are that she has kind of blue or gray sickly skin. Um, the less nice depictions are that she is split down the middle, living woman and corpse. Okay. So half and half. Is it top mm -hmm. half, bottom half, or like straight down the middle? Often straight down the middle. Like, okay. yeah, vertically straight down the middle. Yeah. Left half, right half? Do we know? Is it left half that's alive? You right see a little both. It's not really, yeah. It, mythology is interesting. Um, I've mentioned before I took a mythology class. And a, a reason that I like mythology and comic books is because they are very similar in that you'll have, you know, your stories of Captain America where he does this and this. And that's that's canon for that storyline, but then you'll have another storyline where he does this and this, and that's equally canon. So you'll have that with Hercules, where, oh, Hercules went on, you know, was one of the Argonauts, and that's like a crossover event. That's like Infinity War, but then you also have the Hercules solo story. So mythology is a lot like that. You'll have all these different tellings. They're all right. They're all correct, technically, but they're also all kind of their own thing. Okay. The last thing to tie her into that myth is the, the gods go down to to her because she is the lord of, of Niflheim where Baldur has gone. And Frigg goes down and says, I am begging you, please give me my son back. And our, our, our singleton, uh, this, this beautiful half-courts lady says, fine, that's fine. Um, you got almost everything to, to promise that it wouldn't harm him. So I'll give you an equally uh, difficult challenge. If you can get everything in existence to cry for the loss of Baldur, I will let him rise from the dead. And Frigg goes, so was she in charge, uh, Bachelor at number one, is she in charge of, like, guarding, safekeeping the dead, or is she kind of the ruler of the dead? Uh, both. Because okay. the, I, I should have mentioned this before. The dead in Norse mythology split into two groups. You have those who die of old age and sickness. They go to the bad afterlife. And you then have, you ba have the basically anyone who doesn't die in battle yeah. goes, has a bad death. Or die well, because you know, bards also, as, as musicians, um, if they had a glorious life, they get to go to the good afterlife, which is in Valhalla. Okay, become, so like, yeah. for example, Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide mm. himself, is going Mr. to Valhalla. Worldwide. Yeah. One, okay. two, three, four, uno, dos, trace Valhalla. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so sorry I did that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, heavily will take over. But not shitty bards. Shitty bards don't get to go to Valhalla. No. No. Uh, Only, no you, have to, okay. you have to live a glorious life. That's a glorious life. A glorious I mean, life. that makes sense. What about servers? Do servers get to go to Valhalla? 
Because every day is a bit of a war, a battle. Oh, I see. Uh, yes, if you were in food service, yes, it is absolutely a battle. I was thinking yeah. in, in Viking terms, not a lot of uh, Viking servers because they also kind of engaged in uh, slavery a little bit. But, yep, that's part of their culture. Right. It wasn't chattel slavery. So there's that. You, you, you got your freedom after a little while, and it was a, a lot of them were christians that they sure it wasn't chattel slavery but it was slavery it was those need to be said <laughs> don't, I should... don't need to don't need to qualify the slavery yeah that's true don't don't need to qualify the viking slavery uh, um, okay so restaurant workers do also get to go to valhalla yes i've done food service before absolutely and and i've i've seen and people the... who work in malls also get to go to valhalla retail food service easily yeah yeah, if, okay. if you have to deal with the uh, the Sunday crowd, your your post church crowd, doctors, uh, white ladies come in, nurses, yeah. firefighters, Valhalla. Uh huh. Yeah. Police officers, not mm, not yeah. Valhalla. No. They go to the cold place. Yeah, they go to Niflheim. They go know. to Niffle. They go to Niflheim. Everyone else goes to Nippleheim, but not them. They go to Niflheim. It's different. <laughs> Did you say Nippleheim? Yeah. <laughs> that's the good one. That's the good. That's the middle. It's the mid place. Yeah. So, um, so yes. So postal uh, workers they go to Valhalla. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, lot of, lot of people go to Valhalla. One of my favorite web comics actually depicts that um, the the Valkyries appear to a person who dies from cancer um, because oh, I've, they I've read they that. fought their battle. Yeah, that's that's a popular one that goes around. It's one of my personal favorites. Yeah. Uh, because if you do die a glorious death. Uh, the Valkyries will will come to you, and they will take you to. Uh, they will either the Valkyries split the glorious dead in half. Half of them stay with the Valkyries to serve under their army, and then half go to Odin, where they go to the halls of Valhalla. How do you get picked to serve with them? They they pick, they choose. But I mean, what's their criteria? You gotta be sexy. I think it's a fifty fifty sort of thing. Maybe it's like they're just like okay, well, the last one went to Odin, this one comes to us, off and on. But and yeah, maybe maybe they do kind of. Um, screw with it a little bit we're like okay we'll give you the next two if we can keep this guy the sexy one yes okay yeah yeah so so yes halls of valhalla which is um it's a hall uh called gimli uh which you can see now where tolkien got a lot of his stuff directly from norse mythology but the hall of gimli is uh, a hall which where the walls are built from spears the roof is uh is made of shields and uh, the they become Einherjar, which um, is is a special type of holy soldier, where uh, every day you wake up, you uh, go to a massive feast where the food regenerates, and then as soon as you're full, you go out on the battlefield and you just beat the shit out of each other until you die. At which play, at which point you re- regenerate, you respawn back in the hall where you can recover, eat more food, and then go back out and fight. And they do this every single day uh, to train for the end of the world. Ugh. Talk about bloating. You are not supposed to fight so soon after a meal. They're eating like holy food, though, like like the food of the gods. So, so you're saying that it doesn't give you gas? I would I would imagine not. Okay. I imagine it's very like it's filling, but also lean. Like you you feel full, and like you're like, oh, that was a that was a good meal. It's not like, it, but it also has like the caloric value of celery. All ties back. Mm. It all comes back to celery. <laughs> celery all the way down. So anyway, so yes, uh, Freak goes around and uh, gets everybody to agree to cry, except for one uh, individual. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and guess. Okay. 
Is it an individual or is it like a leaf or a rock? It, it is an individual. It is, it is a living person. Oh, it's probably Loki. It's, it's Loki. Loki <laughs> disguises themselves as uh, a giant named Thok, and uh, they refuse to cry. And he's like, go fuck yourself. Aha. <laughs> and then he comes back and he does finger guns. <laughs> Just double finger guns. <laughs> With the middle finger. Yeah. Yeah. So so Balder has to stay in uh, in the afterlife. And and that is kind of like the it's the last portent of the end of the world. It doesn't mean the, the end of the world's going to happen right away because this is a myth, but it means that the end of the world can happen at any time. Did she have to get them to cry because Boulder was gone, or could mm-hmm. she? It could have just been a general cry. Yeah, she showed him the uh, the end scene of Homeward Bound, and she's like, "This is this is too much." Shadow, oh Peter, oh Peter, I missed you so much. I mean, when you're dealing with, I, I hope everyone takes kind of this and keeps it in their pocket. But when dealing with gods and goddesses, you know, you have to be really specific or you can just exploit everything they tell you. So uh, much like they will do the same for you. (laughs) If, If they don't say in explicit terms, they have to cry because they miss Balder because he's now dead and isn't in the world any longer and they miss him. There's a lot of ways you can get around that. That's true. But Baldur was a very beloved god. You know, he's literally the god of light and music and all that is good. So that's another kind of tie-in of, oh, he's dead. That's why Viking life sucks so much. Which, I mean, they should have just gone to warmer climates, I guess. But they seem to like it, so good for them. (laughs) Well, not everyone can go to warmer climates. There have to be some people who want to live in the cold. That's true. And to be fair, the Vikings did go to warmer climates. They just also pillaged and murdered and enslaved while they were there. And I should also mention that Viking is a very loose term. Uh, It spans uh, a lot of different peoples in a lot of different times and places. Uh, So I'm mostly using it to talk about uh, the Northern Germanic and Scandinavian peoples. Uh, which I'll go ahead and say why I picked this in the first place, not to mention that it's just uh, an end-of-the-world fun um, tie-in to the the pandemic and everything. But uh, also, by this point, uh, our episodes with Super Duper Stitious have come out. Uh, And those guys were awesome to record with. I did my episode on Scandinavia, so I kind of had Norse mythology in the back of my mind throughout all of that. And if you enjoyed uh, the episodes that I recorded with them, that were heavenly recorded with them, uh, definitely check them out. They're they're very fun. I've enjoyed listening to their stuff and uh, and talking to them as people. So I'll, I'll throw that out real quick as well. So yeah, that's all I had really for for Singleton number one. Uh, there will be some more stuff when when Ragnarok happens. She uh, does lead her own army of the undead, so she does have that. Uh, but yeah, she, otherwise she's she's a badass. She's got her hellhound, pre- pretty cold and methodical, uh, ruler of her own realm, which is pretty popular. I mean, that's none of the other ones have that. Well, one of the other ones has that. Have any of these bachelors and bachelorettes been in any of the Marvel movies? Yes, was all she in, but one. Was she, was she in a Marvel movie? She was. Was she played by a very tall woman? <laughs> she played by Kate Blanchett? Yes, yes she was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I might as well just say it because these are popular enough uh, figures, and I, I figured you might know them, especially from, from the movie. Uh, this is Hell with one L, which uh, Marvel does kind of PC it a little bit by calling her Hella. 
But yet her name means concealed because the, the realm of Niflheim is also called the Hulls of Hell, uh, which also became later anglicized with two L's to describe the, uh, the bad place in Christianity. I think if I have a daughter, I might name her Hell. That's a pretty awesome name. Like it's with one L. <laughs> with right? one L, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so you had Loki's oldest kid, had a corpse woman. Um, pr- pretty awesome. Uh, okay, our next singleton, uh, we'll actually go from Loki's oldest to youngest. So okay. our next singleton is Loki's middle child, which, you know, middle children, they need so much attention. Which I'm not realizing applies to the, the youngest, but they need attention too. It's fine. In a different way. Babies are different. Right. Uh, this singleton's name means huge monster, which honestly could apply to um, all of them but hell. But that's what his name literally translates to. Uh, again, Loki's middle child. Uh, this child, when Odin witnessed uh, this child's rapid growth uh, just from birth, uh, he decided that, um, and also from his his knowledge of this child's participation in the end of the world, that they couldn't just have him lying around. So Odin threw this child into the ocean, uh, whereupon they grew to an inconceivable size, becoming large enough to encircle all of Midgard and being forced to bite their own tail just to make room for their serpentine body. So this individual is an Ouroboros, to tie it back to our, our question at the beginning. Hmm, okay. Uh, this being is the arch nemesis of Thor. Um, a lot of these uh, individuals have arch nemeses. Uh, I guess technically Hell's is Balder a little bit, but the rest of these, it's it's a one-to-one sort of thing. Uh, so yes, th- uh, this individual is a giant serpent, which lives in the ocean. So they are so large that uh, they have to bite their own tail. They encircle the earth several times. Um, when they move slightly, they cause earthquakes or tidal waves, or hurricanes. Um, they can capsize boats with, you know, the slightest shudder. Um, and yeah, they've had several interactions with Thor, all of which have just built up the animosity. Uh, there actually is, uh, there's a poem which was written by J.C. Jones in their work Valhalla, which I wanted to read because it's, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty metal. Uh, in giant wrath, the serpent tossed in ocean depths till free from chain. He rose upon the foaming main. Beneath the lashings of his tail, seas mountain high, swelled on the land, then darting mad, the waves across pouring bloody froth like hail. Spurting with poisoned venomed breath, foul deadly mists o'er all the earth, through thundering surge he sought the strand. So they are, again, giant serpent, venomous fangs, poisonous breath, bad attitude, um, they've met Thor a couple of times. The first meeting was when Thor kind of did his own, he, he, he went to a giant, um, because the giant had stolen, I think the giant had stolen Mjolnir. Thor gets his hammer stolen a lot. That That's a common that theme. That guy, he's got to put a, one of those Bluetooth chips on it. He, well, hey, Bluetooth, that's Nordic. It, it ties into, um, uh, a Nordic king who was, his nickname was the Bluetooth and actually the Bluetooth symbol is, uh. The, the letters of his name. I don't really? know if that's common knowledge. Yeah. Wow. Why was he called Bluetooth? Because like when he like he could connect to speakers and stuff. He loved blueberries. That's, that's really stupid. That's the, that's the real stuff. I'm not making that up. He likes blueberries. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, I'm pretty sure Bluetooth was created by um, I think a Swedish guy, if I remember right. I'm gonna have to Google this now. Um, but. Uh, 
Yeah, he he named it in honor of this uh, this really important Scandinavian king. I can't remember the specific history behind it, but yeah, that's that's more or less the uh, the story of it. Damn. Yeah. Harold Bluetooth. Yeah. Okay. Hey everyone, my name's Harold, but my friends call me Bluetooth. <laughs> my, my name's Harold. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what was it? Yeah, version of the Scandinavian Blatan de Blatan, the Old Norse Blaton. Yeah, King Harold Bluetooth, who united dissonant Danish tribes. Okay, so who's Danish? There you go. Mm. He also converted to Christianity. He did. That was one of the, the big things. Um, yeah, re- real, real important in, uh, in Danish history. Uh, but to tie it back to not history... Yeah, so Thor uh, has to get his hammer back. That's actually the the reason he um, he dressed in Thor drag as well. He had to dress as his sister Freya because the giant um, said, I'll, I'll only give you your hammer back if your really hot sister who slept with a bunch of dwarves marries me. Mm. So Thor puts, puts on Freya's wedding dress. And then like the, the giant's like, okay, uh, say I do. He's like... Only if you give me the hammer first. And he hands the hammer over and Thor beats the, his giant fiancé to death. It's great. In a wedding dress, no, no less. But this is a different story where uh, a giant had Thor's hammer. He's like, okay, you need to do this, this, this group of stuff. And one of the things is you need to pick up my cat. Just normal house cat sitting on the floor. And Thor reaches down, goes to pick up this, this pretty kitty. And can't lift it. And he's straining with all of his godly might, and he's only able to pick up one of the cat's paws. And he like he lets the cat back down in defeat, and he does a couple other things. And at the end, it's revealed that all of this has been illusions. Um, that the cat was actually the Jormungan serpent, and that Thor was actually able to lift a portion of its body almost to the heavens. And that when he let it back down, it caused tidal waves, which destroyed entire communities and did all sorts of horrible things. But the giant was like, yeah, if you had picked up my cat, the Jormigan serpent, all the way, you probably would have destroyed the known universe. So I'm glad you didn't. All these tasks were supposed to be impossible. So I'm, I'm glad you didn't do that. Mm. And you said this is the middle child, right? This is the middle child. Yeah. Uh, and the other time that uh, that he met Thor was Thor went fishing with the uh, frost giant Hrime, mm. uh, who kind of wanted to take Thor on, like, kind of wanted to screw him over in the middle of the ocean. He wanted to toss Thor in and leave him there. Um, but Thor gets into the boat, starts swigging mead left and right, and goes, no, nah, let's go deeper. And Hrime's like, hey, buddy, um, I, I don't really want to go deeper because there's shit out there. And he's like, fuck you. I'm going to cut your, your cow's head off and use that as bait. So Thor Damn. does. Yeah, he cuts off the head of Prime's favorite ox and uh, puts it on his fishing hook and hooks the Jormungan serpent. And uh, he's he's just about to bash the... I just said its name, so there you go. Damn. That's okay. I knew, I knew who it was because okay. he's in God of War and he's kind of a sexy snake. <laughs> he is. He is. So uh, this is the... I've seen, I've seen photos. So this is the Jormungan <laughs> serpent, also called the Midgard serpent. Um, and he does raise it up on his line. He's just about to bash it in the head with Molnir, his hammer. And then Hrime cuts the line and the Jormungan serpent goes back in the water. So. so they've kind of had this animosity and they are going to fight each other at the end of the world. And again, we'll, we'll get to that at the end. I mean, it makes sense. It sounds like a lot of these people are really just kind of saving their beef 
for the end of the world. Like oh, I'm just yeah. gonna I'm just gonna lock that away in a box. Uh, but when Ragnarok comes, oh, I'm gonna open that box. Yeah, absolutely. The animosity box is is. It's bursting at the seams by the time that Ragnarok actually happens. Like, everyone just has a little journal that's like, when Ragnarok comes, <laughs> I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy for that, and this one for this. Very much so. It is kind of like the, the two sides meet each other on the field of battle, and they just they instantly line up with the guy they're going to go after. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's a very one-to-one sort of thing when it comes to it. So it's almost like, would you say that the the modern movie franchise, The Purge, mm. is a bit like Ragnarok? Uh, I mean, Ragnarok is a literal purging of all of life. You're saving up all your troubles for it's, the day that you can get away with it. It's definitely less of a... Um, a story about how capitalism is destroying our our country like the purges but uh yeah it's it's a it's a purging of of a lot of feelings i'll say that <laughs> it's about social capital right uh-huh. rock you know uh-huh. so that's important sure all these gods being one percenters <laughs> I mean, in, in a way, it kind of actually is that because the the two sides to kind of jump to Ragnarok, the two sides are the gods and their Einherjar, and then all of the giants who have kind of been these second class citizens. Because even though gods are giants, they're like, no, giants are gross. They still like marry them and have kids with them and like barter with them and all this other stuff. But at the same time, giants are still seen as monsters it's it's this it's this really weird dichotomy um especially mm. frost giants and fire giants those are those are considered evil so all of all of the giants are the ones who then fight with the gods and everything goes downhill from there uh okay our third singleton is uh the third child of loki uh their name means fen dweller they were also in thor ragnarok so you might have seen them they do have another name. It's uh, Hrodvitner, which means Fame Wolf, which I, I think is an awesome uh, sequel to Teen, to Teen Wolf, where he goes to Hollywood. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, this wolf, just to give you their name, because like I said, they were in the movie, this is Fenrir. This is the Fenris Wolf. Uh, they are the mortal enemy of Tyr and Odin. And uh, Who which, isn't Odin's mortal enemy, though? Um, I get Odin has a few, but I mean, you know, come after the king, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're gonna step on a few shoulders. He's definitely not like Zeus level of everyone's just like, (laughs) oh god, what did he do? Oh goodness! (laughs) Everybody hates Zeus, but that could be a sitcom. Everybody hates Zeus. (laughs) Zeus, that's my wife. Okay, all right. So this is one of one of many, but not not all. Right, of Odin's mortal enemy. In in the whole span of things, uh, the closest to the true arch nemesis to Zeus. Um, to, to bring it back to to Marvel Comics again, um, this is like the the Doctor Doom to the Fantastic Four. This is the Red Skull to Captain America. Captain America might have other villains, but Red Skull's the the one to one. So the the Fenris Wolf, Fenrir, uh, is is the third of Loki's kids and. When Odin saw this child, because he saw all the three children at once, at like their at their first birthday, 
Kind of. Um, it's not really said, like, it's said that the Jormungand Serpent was the middle. It's it's not really said that Hell or Fenrir were, were first or third, so I kind of took my own artistic license with that, but I like thinking that, like, Hell's a, a really cool older sister. But, yeah, I, so he saw all the kids at the same time when they were young. He cast Hell into Niflheim to rule there forever, cast the Jormungand Serpent into the sea. With Fenrir, he's like, okay, it's getting bigger literally as I'm looking at it. I mean, y- you have a puppy. You've seen how that works. So so Fenrir is a giant wolf, and he's only getting bigger by the second. So Odin says, great. We need to bind this thing up. So there's only one god who can get close to Fenrir at this point, and that's Tyr, who is the god of, of courage and bravery and, and one of, like, I think they're all technically gods of battle, but so is Tyr. Tyr is the only god who's brave enough to get close to Fenrir and feed it. So like, cool, Tyr, we're going to make some chains for you to bind Fenrir up. Just tell him it's just to test how strong it is. So the gods make a first set of, of fetters, and Fenrir breaks them immediately. So they make a stronger set of fetters, supposedly the strongest things in existence. And Fenrir strains a little bit and breaks those. So they're like, great, we're not making good enough stuff. We need to go and to, we need to go to the dwarves and see if they can make something for us. So they go to the dwarves, and the dwarves make a set of chains called Gleipnir. And they are made from the sound of a cat's footfall, the beard of a woman, the roots of a mountain, the sinews of a bear, the breath of a fish, and the spittle of a bird. And they mm. are, they're like as thin as silken ribbon, it's said. So whereas the other ones are these massive, like, Do metal chains. Do birds not spit? Birds That's the thing. Spit? The sound, well, it's all things that don't exist. So the sound of a cat's footfall, the beard of a woman, the breath of a fish, it's all things that don't exist because they were used to make these chains. So they took away birds' ability to spit? Yeah. Birds could be spitting right now? <laughs> birds could be spitting. <laughs> you just you just walk by a crow and he's just like... <sighs> <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> i mean like i obviously caught on immediately that none of the other things existed you know uh-huh. yeah. uh in air quotes but um i guess i didn't know that birds could spit <laughs> <laughs> now you know Norse now mythology I... tells you what you know if, if nothing else <laughs> our episodes tell you a lot about birds um we, we know what was it that uh <laughs> What the, I can't remember what bird it was, but they're fucking liars. The other ones are truth tellers. Titmouses. Titmouses. Tit always right. lie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, birds can't spit. I didn't C- know Come that. back for more bird knowledge. Well, they do spit up food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do vomit. Yeah. I guess that's different than spitting, though. Yeah, it's that's not like weird. Now that I <laughs> Now that I know that birds can't spit, I feel like, I feel like when I lived... In a time where I didn't know that birds couldn't spit. <laughs> this is a different age for you. <laughs> this is this is this knowledge is really it's weighing very heavily on me. Uh-huh. And it was something that I probably had never once at all ever thought about. And now I don't know that I won't think about it every single day that birds don't spit. Do, or do you pity the birds? Or is it like, I can do something you can't? Because uh, they can fly. They shit all over your car. Maybe that's They can like... fly and they can poop all over my car. I mean, I could I could also poop all over other people's cars. So <laughs> you, to you me, could. that... 
that's <laughs> you should... yeah i, I mean, mean they do get have caught they can fly. i well i could get caught or i could not get caught birds also uh-huh. get caught shitting on cars so that's not but they get away with it left and right what is our ju- our judicial system <laughs> uh I guess I don't know. I don't know if I feel sorry for them. It's just I feel like I've I I feel actually as if I've been burdened. Mm. Burdened with spit. Burdened with knowledge. Oh, okay. Before I had been living, if someone had said to me, "Could birds spit?" I would say yes. And now uh-huh. I know. If someone were to ask me that question, I would know. Not only is the answer no, but that in fact that they could at one point and it was taken from them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's really deep. That's really, that hit me really <laughs> you hard. Did, you made, you've taken us very deep on this. I did not imagine that, uh, that we'd go so deep on this, but yeah, yeah. that that one hit me hard. Um, you're not hit so hard by women not being able to have beards. You're not hit but hard by well, because not women, or cats women, not having footballs. women can women can have beards, so that's whatever. <laughs> to me, that's obviously just not true. Uh, mountains not having roots—that's just like what does that mean? A root, like a tree root. A, yeah. a mountain is quite rooted in the ground. That's it doesn't gross. it doesn't move. So not to the Vikings. <laughs> I mean, shit ain't got roots. For example, I mean, glaciers move, but really slowly, but you also can't stop them. So. But have we tried? It's just the birds that can't spit. I don't know. That just. (laughs) The fish can't breathe. It's they Uh don't want to. It doesn't Uh mean anything to them. But birds could spit and they just can't. You know, they could, but they can't. There's nothing stopping them, but they just can't do it. Do you think they know? <laughs> it's in the stories they tell each other. <laughs> that's why you know, they there's, scream. There's that, that, that theory of, like, inherent knowledge that that's how birds know to, like, fly south for the winter or build nests or, or everything that's kind of, like, just, um, like, they're just born with this knowledge and maybe they're just, like, they hatch from the egg going... I could spit right now. I could spit. Okay. But I, sh- I, I can't. I shan't. Oh, man. All right. Continue. This is so, just gonna... so, yeah. They make this, this ribbon-thin chain, and uh, Tyr goes to uh, Fenrir and says, I'm going to put this around your neck. Don't freak out. And Fenrir's like, you've tested enough chains on me. If you're going to put this chain around my neck, you got to put your, your hand in my mouth. And if it stays on there, I'm taking your hand. And Tyr goes, okay, that's that's fine, because he's the god of courage. He knows he's going to lose his hand. So he sticks his hand in, and the chain goes on, and it tightens, and Fenrir bites down, and Tyr loses his right hand. And Fenrir starts freaking out. He starts trying to bite at all the other gods. Uh, so they stick a sword in his mouth to keep his mouth open while they, they tighten the chain enough where he, and, and bind him to an immovable stone. Uh, and, a rooted uh, stone. A rooted stone. And speaking of spit, uh, as his mouth was pried open with the sword, he drooled so much that uh, he actually created the river van. Whoa. Yeah. That's what he did with all the birds' spit. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> he inherited <laughs> he too, the spit he, of a thousand birds. <laughs> he had too much spit. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to have his whole deal at the uh, at Ragnarok, but again, we'll get to that. And uh, we'll get to our final singleton, which um, this singleton 
Um, I'll give you a couple of things because his biggest deal, the reason this singleton exists, is to end everything. Uh, and this singleton is also in Thor Ragnarok. He's, I think, the first character you see besides Thor. Uh, this is the fire giant Surtur. Mm. Uh, so Surtur is the lord of all fire giants. His realm is Muspelheim, the realm of fire giants. And Surtur is cursed, blessed, uh, charged with uh, ending the world. He has a, um, a mighty sword called the Bright Sword. Uh, his arch nemesis is the god Freyr, and uh, he will lead all of Muspel's sons, all of the fire giants, uh, to battle at Ragnarok. Uh, so there's not much else besides that. His, Like I said, most of his stuff, he doesn't really have a lot of other myths besides uh, Ragnarok. So let's get into Ragnarok and see where all this stuff uh, falls out. Because like I said, this is the most heavy metal of Ends of the World. Mm. Uh, it, it gets pretty awesome. And also pretty upsetting and, and sad because it's also the end of the world. But we'll get there. So what happens first? What signals Ragnarok to everybody? So Baldur's dead. Thor or uh, Odin knows it's going to happen. But the the real signaling event is we're going to have three years of winter. Three years of, of endless winter. No summer at all. And stuff's going to go downhill from there because after those three years we're going to have three additional years of winter okay so six years of winter six but the additional three get their own name the first three don't for some reason so the additional three are called the fimvul winter and these are special because humanity has had enough and descends into chaos humanity will start killing each other uh brother will kill brother um there's there's no decorum for community or civilization anymore. Stuff descends uh, pretty quick. So mm. again, there's uh, a poem from R.B. Anderson's Norse mythology. Uh, the Fimvulvinter. Brothers slay brothers, sisters children. Shed each other's blood, hard as the world. Sensual sin grows huge. There are sword ages, axe ages. Shields are cleft in twain. Storm ages, murder ages. Till the world falls dead. And men no longer spare or pity one another. Mm. I ask this only because I've never actually heard that name before. Mm -hmm. But did their poetry career not really take off? And then they opened some maybe beef restaurants? <laughs> RB Edison? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the cowboy... You know, I'll, I'll say this right now for for all those who haven't figured it out. Um, Arby's is actually just uh, it, it, mean, it means RB. It means roast beef. I've never heard the name Arby before. So well, it's 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 the initial R and B. R B Anderson. Oh, <laughs> oh, and it stands for roast beef. In in the in the restaurant sense, it stands for roast beef. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think his name is Roast Beef Anderson. <laughs> I thought his name was Arby. I was like, I've never, I've never once heard the name Arby, so I do just have to ask if this mm -hmm. is. No, that's a fair question. <laughs> Arby of Arby's fame. My parents met over a, a roast beef. It was delightful. My mom had a French dip. Is that what the restaurant stands for as well? Did they yeah, just the, want to call it Arby? But saying. then they, but then they spelled it out. Turned it into a word. Yeah. I also feel greatly burdened 
with that knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> um, here, I'll, I'll lighten it up a little bit. As a kid, we uh, found a cat in an Arby's parking lot that we named Roast Beef and called her Arby. And she was the best cat ever. She was she was awesome. I'm just going to kind of I'm just going to put this in the group chat. Um, okay. With my coworkers. Um, and just kind of ask them what they think RB stands for and mm-hmm. just see. How many minds you can blow? I just, am I the only one who's not, who's, who feels upset by this knowledge? <laughs> Burdened by this knowledge. That I've never thought of it, that I never thought to think, what does RBs mean, if not a name, but a symbol? <laughs> not the restaurant we need but the I will be deserve. sending this into the bad britches only group chat um hey ladies it's heavenly uh I've just learned I've just learned something kind of weird what do you think Arby's stands for this is great content <laughs> I spelled my name wrong <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> of all the things Okay, just go ahead and keep, I'll update you if they respond. Good to know. Okay, so uh, another thing that's going to happen, uh, so the Fimble Venture is going to happen. It's it's not going to be great. Humanity is going to descend pretty hard. Um, all of this is going to bring this like universal discord and, and war which spreads over all creation. Two things are going to happen next. Uh, I should have mentioned that Fenrir has a few kids. Um, I should have tied this back. Hell, uh, Hell. Her, her hellhound Garm is one of Fenrir's kids. So when I said her dog is also like her nephew, yeah, it's it's her brother's kid. Uh, Fenrir also had two other kids, uh, Hati and Skoll, who are giant wolves, uh, which forever chase the sun and moon. A fucking wolf would name his kid Skoll. Skoll. <laughs> yeah, not like the, the chewing tobacco, but yeah. Um, so Skoll and Hati chase the sun and moon, uh, Sol and Mani, which are uh, Nordic gods on chariots. That, that pull the sun and moon. So that's why the sun and moon move through the sky in Norse mythology is they're being chased by wolves, like, always. And as uh, Sol and Mani see the Fimblevinter happening, they, like, lose all hope, and they slow down their chariots, and Skull and Hati are able to finally catch up and devour them, which showers the, the earth in blood. When all this is going on, uh, Loki and Fenrir are able to break their chains. I didn't mention this point, but because of all Loki's shenanigans and killing Balder, uh, he was bound up for all of eternity uh, and had a, a viper placed over his head, which would drip poison into his eyes from its fangs. Why his, why his eyes? Because the venom would burn his eyes. Okay. Yeah. So Loki does have a wife. That's how he had kids. Um, oh, they don't though- have to be married, though. You don't, uh, and actually, it, Loki does have another kid um, because he turns into a female horse at one point. Yeah, I so, do. So, I, yeah. Yeah, Loki turns into a female horse to distract another giant's horse in another myth and then gives birth to uh, an eight-legged horse named Schleipnir. And Odin looks at this kid and goes, actually, that's pretty fucking cool. You, you gave birth to a spider horse. I'm going to ride that. So uh, Loki's... Sun horse, eight-legged horse sun, sleep near, becomes Odin's mount. Right. Yeah. Are anyway. all eight legs functional? Yeah. Yeah, it's the fastest horse in existence. Well, it would definitely either be the fastest or the slowest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something like that. It, it reminds <laughs> me of old spider legs, another cryptid we've 
has been briefly mentioned on this uh, podcast before. Yeah, maybe old there was spider just sleep legs. Old spider legs. Oh, what's that up there in the mountain? That's just old spider legs. <laughs> They're just old spider legs. You don't mean no harm. So all this calamity is going on. Um, I, the serpent was dripping venom into Oki's eye, or Loki's eyes, which his his wife was holding a bowl over his head for most of the time, but she'd have to empty it every now and then. And when she emptied the bowl of venom, the venom would drip in his eyes again, and he would shake, and it would cause earthquakes. That so was the, what is what is worse than the continuous slow drip of venom into your eye, or just uh, just one large bowl being upended all at once? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's it's either. Uh, both are bad. Both seem kind of bad. I guess only so much can get into your eye, but then maybe you might swallow some of it. Yeah, she doesn't up overturn it into his face. She does pour it out elsewhere. But he does get venom in his eyes when she has to move the bowl, and he shakes and causes earthquakes. So a single drop of venom is enough to make him cause earthquakes. Oh, so she is protecting him. She, okay. is, she is intentionally <laughs> protecting him. I, I mean, to, his wife does not hate him. He did kind no. of burden her with holding a bowl over his head for, like, all of time, but... I thought she was like, There's, I gotta dump the bowl out. And he's like, well, can you turn? And she's like, I can't. I just don't oh, no. <laughs> know. Ah, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, gosh, uh, honey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I forgive you. Uh, so, so yes, Loki and Fenrir break their chains. Uh, the world tree falls. Yggdrasil falls, which is due because of another singleton, which I will not mention on this because I'm saving them for a dragon episode because there's a dragon that, that uh, knocks over the world tree. Uh, and then three roosters will, will crow. The roast, rooster Fjaller. The roast will... rooster? The roast beef rooster Arby's? Yeah, no, yeah, I guess they have they have fried chicken there. Roast in beef Ar- rooster. In Arby's? In Arby's, yeah. You can get a chicken sandwich. I haven't been to an Arby's in probably two decades. You're not missing anything. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Arby's. Sponsor us. Uh yes, the the rooster in uh in in Valhalla in Asgard, uh Fialar will crow his alarm, which is echoed by the rooster Gulen Kambi on Midgard, and then Hell also has her own hell chicken. Uh, and that one will crow as well. So everybody's getting their end of the world alarm. Okay. On. So Hell has her own Hell chicken. That definitely mm-hmm. should have been mentioned. Oh, in, like, in her assets. <laughs> I do like that a lot. I'm a big fan of chickens. Yeah, she's the one with pets. Yeah, she has her Hellhound. She has her Hell chicken. Entire army of the undead. Not that those are pets, but she does have them it listed in, amongst her assets. So, so yeah, the the roosters will crow, which then that will signal Heimdall, uh, played by Ildris Elba, to sound the Nalar horn, which is a big horn, which tells everybody, yes, it's officially the end of the world. Let's all get our shields and shit on and go fight on the battlefield. Mm. So when all this is happening, uh, the giants are amassing their forces. Fenrir and Loki are free. The Jormungand serpent rises from the sea, which causes um, waves to crash over all of the earth and then massive droughts. But it does one other thing, is it knocks moose, loose the mooring on Nagelfar, which is a ship that will, the giants will use to get to Asgard. And Nagelfar is particularly unsettling because it is a long ship big enough to carry two giant armies, a giant wolf, uh, all the army of the undead, and it is made from the fingers and toenails of dead people. Oh. So yeah. he's... Well, that's craftsy. <laughs> so, yeah, what are we going to do with all of these toenails? <laughs> so, uh, Harim will lead the Frost Giants. Uh, Surtur will lead the Fire Giants. Loki's just there, so are his kids. Uh, Hel has her army of evil Viking zombies, the Pale Army. 
and uh, all of the the forces of evil, quote unquote, uh, will sail on Nagalfar, uh, get to the Rainbow Bridge, and their their weight uh, and the the weight of their horses' hooves will collapse the Rainbow Bridge as they're going across it. So there there's no way back. And then all of the the forces will meet on the battlefield of Vigrid. It should be mentioned this time that the gods are at a physical disadvantage. Tyr has one hand. Odin has one eye. Freyr uh, doesn't have his magical sword, which is magical in the sense that it fights for itself and can't be defeated, uh, because he gave it up so that he could get married to a giant. So instead, Freyr has a stag's horn. Hmm. Yeah. And, and on top of all that, Odin knows that they're going to lose. He knows that. But still, everybody gets their best armor, their best weapons, and they go to die gloriously. So they meet on the, the field of Vidar. Instantly, Odin rides forth on Sleipnir. He has his magical sword Gungir, uh, his magical horse with eight legs. He is going to lead the charge, and he does so directly into the jaws of the Fenris wolf. So Fenrir is able to unhinge his jaw so that uh, his bottom jaw goes to uh, the earth and his top jaw goes to the heavens. And Odin runs right in and gets swallowed whole along with his horse. So Fenrir also eats his half-brother. Whoops. Does Odin come back out? No, he's dead. Odin's dead now. What about the horse? Also dead. Yeah. So uh, immediately after that, um, one of Odin's sons, uh, Vidar, uh, who has a a really big boot, goes to kill the Fenris wolf. Just one big boot? he He has a boot which is made of all of the discarded boot leather that he collects from all of time to make a really thick boot. Oh, also crafty. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of Viking craft. So he does this because he knows he needs to defeat the Fenris Wolf. So um, he puts his boot on the bottom jaw so he doesn't cut his foot open. And then is able to tear uh, Fenris' jaws asunder. And so the Fenris Wolf is dead. Uh, the next thing that happens is uh, Thor and the Jormungan Serpent, the Midgard Serpent, find each other. Mortal enemies. So uh, Thor is able to jump up and slam Mjolnir into the Jormungan Serpent's head, kills it. But as the Jormungan Serpent falls, it lets out one last breath of poison, which Thor just inhales. And he takes nine steps back, and then Thor is dead. Loki and Heimdall, who have also been kind of mortal enemies up to this point, kill each other. Uh, And then Surtur, with his flaming magical sword, goes up to Freyr, who has a deer antler. And uh, Surtur kills Freyr. Uh, and then Surtur uses his magical sword. He looks over, he sees this battlefield full of Einherjar and giants and everything else and goes, I'm just done with it. And so he he waves his sword across existence and incinerates everything. Mm. Yes. So um, the earth burns, the universe burns, uh, the sun dims, the earth sinks into the ocean, the stars fall from the heavens, and time is no more. Except it's not. Because that wasn't the end. Ah! Yeah. It turns out that the gods technically aren't the the mightiest beings in existence. They're just the ones that, uh, like, most directly connect and contact humanity. So that's why we we consider them gods. But there's actually uh, the uh, Alphadur, which is the Almighty, which will create a new heaven and earth. And Baldur, no longer Hmm. being bound in hell by hell because she's dead will be able to rise from the dead. And Thor had a couple of kids that didn't die. And even though Searcher supposedly killed everything, he didn't. 
because there's there's still gods. There's like the children of the gods who are able to reign over this new paradise. And humanity isn't dead either, because there were two people who were, had hidden under a rock in a magical forest. Uh, a female named Lif and a male named Lifthrasir, which I do love that their names are pretty similar, because my parents are Don and Donna. But yeah, Lif and Lifthrasir are able to repopulate the Earth as this Nordic version of Adam and Eve. And it's a world where uh, want will never be known because everything is is great and perfect. Can everyone else rise from hell like Baldur did or just only him? No, because Baldur rises because he's a god and he didn't join hell's army of the undead. Everybody else was part of her army of the undead. Oh, so she does kind of illegally conscript. Yeah, she's kind of like, ah, well, you know. I, I didn't charge you rent for living in my literal mm. hellscape. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so there is kind of a nice ending. Yeah. This. So that's that's it. Like I said, it is linear because there is that end, but it is also cyclical because it's it does also have a new beginning for people. But it. Well, I guess it that could just. It's argued that it could just be a continuation of the line. Mm-hmm. It is a continuation of the line, but also it is a, it, it's not uh, bound to the same uh, rules as before because it is a, it is a by definition paradise. So humanity will never have to know suffering again. They still, you know, live as we do, uh, but they'll never know want or sadness or anything, anything like that. Wait, has this happened yet or is that where we're going? Doesn't seem like it, does it? Ragnarok hasn't happened yet? Uh, it doesn't feel like it to me. <laughs> So if we survive the six years of Ragnarok, then we get to live in paradise? I think we'd probably be incinerated because our names aren't Lif or Lifthrasir. So, But you, yeah. said some, you said some people survived. Yeah, just Lif and Lifthrasir. But also the, the children two. but the children of the gods. We're not children of gods. We, not, we don't know that. I guess. I mean, they are named. There's like Thor has two sons and then Baldur. And then I think there's like one other. But Baldur also kind of becomes sure, like a, a sure, 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 sure. Because Thor's only ever had sex twice. I guess you're really trying to game the system on Ragnarok here, and I'm <laughs> I'm just here to tell you what it says. I I'm just I don't saying know. that they don't mention that Thor has the third son named same named Derek, or yeah, or a secret daughter named Heavenly. I I, I would honestly <laughs> believe that you are the 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 child of a god. I could definitely believe. He's that. like, yes, this is my my love child. His name shall be Derek. Uh, uh, wishful thinking. I do love my parents. I don't wish one of them was an alcoholic, redheaded thunder god. Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, Thor may be your dad, but he's not your daddy. <laughs> I may have been your, your father, boy, but he ain't your daddy. Exactly. Exactly. This this episode was sponsored by Marvel. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so that's that's the story of Ragnarok. Those are the singletons from Ragnarok. Um, again, we had uh, Loki's oldest daughter, Hel, or Hela, his uh, middle child, the Jormungan serpent, the Midgard serpent, Jormungandr, uh, his youngest child, the Fenris wolf, Fenrir, the Fame wolf, uh, and the fire giant, the lord of fire giants in Muspelheim, Surtur, mm. ender of the world. As sexy as I find giants to be, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like the heat. 
And so oh, I just, yeah. I don't think I would be able to hang around someone who's constantly putting off just mega jewels of heat. Literally on fire at all times. Yeah, literally on fire at all times. Yeah, that's fair. It would kill my plants. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. My... With, honey, leave your flaming sword out, outside. You're killing everything. Everything's on fire. Everything's my PlayStation fire. would melt. Uh, and I would just be uncomfortable. I don't like to be. He- I don't like to be overheated. So I think that's a no on the date. Uh, for the wolf, I'm gonna have to pass as well. Although I do think he sounds like a very good boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just when I when it's against two, when it's against the other two, definitely not gonna pass. Ooh, he's kind of thick though. Ooh. Oh, searcher. Yeah, searcher's Whoa. kind of a thick boy. Uh, and yeah, we talked about this before. You don't want to have your dogs putting people parts in the mouth. And that's like a big thing for Fenrir. He's like, no, put your put your hand on my mouth. Uh, I won't bite oh, it look off. look at those thighs. Are you, are you reconsidering Surtur? No, he's still too, he's too hot. Yeah, not in the good way. He's too hot. Um. So yeah, no to the wolf exactly. Though I okay. do think he looks pretty cool. Now the snake mm-hmm. in God of War, he does have a very in Dad of Boy. I don't want people to be confused that I've played any of the other Gods of War. <laughs> I only played the one where a man learned about toxic masculinity and tried to make his son gentler and kinder than he is. Yeah, while simultaneously slaying an entire pantheon of foreign gods. Yeah. Well. One might argue that they deserved it. They do in God of War, as I understand it. <laughs> in Dad yes. of Boy. In Dad. Uh, yeah, and this photo that you sent, this very lifelike photo, a selfie <laughs> that you yeah, sent. From, it might be. <laughs> from, from Dad of Boy. He does have a really sexy voice. Does he? See, I haven't, I haven't seen or played it. So, yes, that is the image from, from Dad of Boy. Uh, and then this is, the, uh, this is from 17th century uh, Slavic manuscript. Um, so a, a different depiction. This one depicts the, the Ormigan Serpent as having kind of like an ox head. I was going to say, yeah, it does look like he has an ox head. And I do, I think snakes are really neat. Mm-hmm. So I do, I, I'm liking that. I'm liking those vibes. But okay. the, pro, the real, the, the crux of the issue is that hell is just too, her steez is too hot. And there's no way that I wouldn't choose her. She is the she controls the, all the dead people. Mm-hmm. She has a bunch of pets. She has a death, a death rooster. Mm-hmm. She looks like Kate Blanchett, and I don't understand what else she would need to do to be any more perfect. She is. I, this, I know that Laura Olympus is very popular for some people, and she is a female Hades, hundred percent. Um, especially when you, you look at Hercules, uh, Hades, the Disney Hercules, where it's voiced by James Woods. And James Woods is a pretty big piece of shit. She doesn't have any of that baggage. She's got that Kate Blanchett vibe to her. Or in Norse mythology, if you see this image, she's she's a little bit thicker, too. She's a buff woman, and I am into it. And yeah, yeah she's, she's got her also, I really like that she's doing kind of a dirt toddler, where she's wearing overalls with no shirt, so she's just titties out. Yeah, yeah. her Which <laughs> I Dirt toddler. <laughs> Which I think is very powerful, very, very powerful. She just has a, she's just sitting next to a knife, which is cool. That mm-hmm. must be famine. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think she has a pretty metal sounding house. Yeah, a uh, mansion in hell, which is named after her. Her entire realm is named after her. Yeah, I mean, put your name on it. 
yeah. you know, have some have some some pride in what you and what you do. And I actually appreciate how kind of petty she is when she's like immediately like as a as a kid cast into hell by by Odin, and then Odin's wife shows up and goes, "Please give me my son back," and she's like, "Make everybody cry, do it." Yeah, I dare yeah. you. Right, because that's not her business. That's not her problem. Yeah, her job is to keep him there. Yeah, imagine if every single person who had a loved one die was like, mm, please. It would just, then she's not doing a very good job. So I appreciate her hustle. I appreciate that she takes her job seriously, even though she mm-hmm. probably doesn't want to, you know. And, um. Yeah, Garm looks like, like a really good boy, too. I think Garm and Turkey Burger would really get along. Absolutely. I love the, I love the, the, not even just the, I'm always a big fan of the one titty out because it makes me think of Barbarella, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And in it, Barbarella wears a very fashionable one titty out outfit. This is two titties out and that's really powerful. Very powerful. It's her house. She doesn't wear a bra. It's her house. She doesn't need to wear a bra. It's 2020. No bras. No bras, no men, no rules. That's what I like to say. I'm into yeah. two thirds of that. I feel that it is it is no contest. It is obviously hell. Also, I think that is such a powerful couple's name. Oh, hell and heavenly. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. Yeah, it would be. We would be. I mean, we we would get a TikTok, and it would just be perfect. It'd just be fucking uh, unstoppable. I didn't. How did that not come to mind? I'm. Si- Ah oh, man, I need to think about my actions and what I did. This was a I, this was a no brainer. It should have all been hell. I, yeah. I didn't even need to bring the other ones. Yeah. So, but I appreciate learning a little bit about them. Like I said, I do think the fire giant is sexy. He's just a little too hot for me. The wolf is a little bit too much of a bad boy in a way that I don't appreciate. Yeah. And the snake, he's got a sexy voice. He's really big. He's got a cool beard, but he's just no hell. It's true. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fenrir, he's just too into fame. He's that fame wolf. He's a vain wolf. Yeah. He's a vain wolf, more like. Oh, you did it. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed uh, my my rants and ramblings and and storytelling of Ragnarok. Um, I did try to uh, throw this by my wife before I recorded with you, and she went, "That's a lot of stuff. It's just it's a lot." So if you're out there going, "Wow, that was a lot," I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to give you as much information because I, I like knowing stuff, and I hope you do too. But it was all good information. It was. It was all true information as far as I know. So take that to the bank and double check it. Thank you, Heavenly. Thanks for picking uh, Hell. You, absolutely. You, you are a power couple for the ages, which I guess are going to technically end at some point. But yeah, get in close with Hell and be like, you know what? Just send your armies out. Have Loki lead them. You and me can hang back here because apparently Baldur's safe, so everything might be cool here. So you might you might be able to say you guys could just uh, Netflix and chill in just uh, Netflix and chill. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so my sources for this, I should mention, uh, I, I did uh, get some stuff from Bullfinch's Mythology and also Myths of the Norsemen by Helene A. Gerber. And uh, that's all that I have. Of Gerber baby fame? She did spell it differently. So that probably means she changed it. So people weren't like, oh, that's the Gerber baby <laughs> writing about the Norse mythology. What does that baby know? <laughs> <laughs> she's she's going to marry Arby's and they're going to create some of the grossest baby food ever. Arberber. Arberber. 
All right. Well, while we're in a thanking mood, I would like to thank Richard, our super producer, who is about to edit a 100-minute long raw Thanks, uh, voice file. So thank you so much, Richard. Alexander Geisler, who did our music, our intro music. You can find him on Instagram. His handle will be in the show notes. The Nerdsmith Network, of course, is teeming with amazing shows. Go ahead and check them out. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us. That's how people learn about us. It's how we get more people listening. Always love it when we have new fans, new mortal enemies, new people to write in their rag and rock journal about what they're going to do to us when the time comes. Tweet at us your monster crush at Monster Crushing. Let us know who you'd like to see, who you think is sexy, what direction we should go in. We're always looking for, you know, input. I could, I'll probably ignore it. Because you're not the boss of me, and you don't know me, and I'm not your friend, and I don't have to do what you say. But I'll listen to you. Give it a give it a shot and see where it goes. And you know, stay stay prepping, stay prepared. Yes, yeah. Have your your Viking helmets. They don't have horns. Have your spears. Have your axes. Uh, because the the sword age is coming, people. You know, don't don't go down in the Fimble Winter. Going out in that final battle. Yeah. Make it through those first six years and we'll see what happens. (laughs) See what happens. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye.